I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of the Innovative Leadership Institute. We are broadcasting live from West Palm Beach at the International Leadership Association Conference. And our guest is Brad Jackson. Brad is the Director of Policy Innovation Hub and Professor of Social Innovation within the Griffith Business School at Griffith University. Today, we're going to talk about Brad's most recent book, Revitalizing Leadership, Putting Theory and Practice into Context. So Brad, tell us a little bit more about yourself, and then we'll jump into the book. I've spent the first 18 years of my life in England, the next 18 in Canada, another 18 in New Zealand. The whole focus on social innovation, to me, answers a very important question, which is leadership for what? So I've spent a lot of my career, you know, working in leadership teaching, leadership theory, leadership practice and development. But I was starting to get uneasy about, well, what's that for? Because mm-hmm. too much of it was about if you get the techniques right, the behaviors, the skills, etc. but not enough about, well, why? What's mm-hmm. So I got very focused on this role of purpose in leadership. The book that we'll be talking about is called Revitalizing Leadership, and I co-authored it with four of my colleagues, mm-hmm. three other colleagues in, in New Zealand, uh, Susie Wilson, Stephen Cummings, and Sarah Proctor-Thompson. And essentially, the book emerged from our collective uh, concern about the state of leadership, research mm-hmm. and leadership mm-hmm. thinking, and how that was becoming quite detached from the quite remarkably bad and some of the remarkably good things that are mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm. world through mm-hmm. you know the digitization through the challenges to democracy you know post-truth world etc environmental mm-hmm. degradation all the usual list of wicked problems that mm-hmm. you've alluded to but it you know given what's going on and given the recognition mm-hmm. that people have around leadership when you look at quote the state of leadership thinking and theory mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it's almost it's almost as if that hasn't happened so everything's sort of rolling along, evolving, you, mm-hmm. you know, generic theories of transformational leadership or authentic leadership, service mm-hmm. leadership. Mm-hmm. But there's been no recognition about actually that the world is a very different and much more dangerous place than it was. Mm-hmm. Why do we pretend in our thinking, our leadership thinking, that that's not not happened? Mm-hmm. So I guess our argument, so that, that was the call for revitalizing. In fact, we want to make okay. it, you know, as a play on being vital okay. as opposed to being mm-hmm. kind of politely, you know, Pleasant, but not less, and constructive. Yeah, but not sustainable, less not thriving. That's right. And so, you know, revitalization was a focus on, uh, I feel like, making it vital and making it come to life, making mm-hmm. it real. Mm-hmm. Because so much of the focus has been around developing sort of abstract ideas and tools mm-hmm. and techniques of models that you can apply mm-hmm. pretty well anywhere. And if you get the techniques right, then you get success, you get leadership success. Mm-hmm. And what we're arguing is that's problem. The actual fact, what we need to do is to bring context okay. into the equation. So in other words, most of the effort has been about we want to develop theories that are context-less, that are generic, that are universal. And the very act of doing that sows mm-hmm. the seeds of the problems. In fact, mm-hmm. contributes to or inhibits our ability to tackle the wicked problems. Okay. But everyone's looking for the big universal solution. But what we're arguing is you've got to begin and start with where you're at, when you're at. And that's critical to mm-hmm. the leadership that you need to develop. And I would say that, and this is about you, not me, but yeah. our my work also very much encompasses, we call it situational analysis. Yeah. I can't prescribe a set of leadership behaviors that is universal. We can say in theory, in the yeah. book, yeah. this is what we think is most effective. Yeah. But what you're doing in New Zealand in, yeah. in technology is going to be different than what the U.S. Army is doing. Yeah. 
most likely. Yeah, but even within New Zealand, and this is the issue, because I think, well, I, I mean, when I come to the States, I love coming here, and the ILA is, you yeah. know, I've been part of this because I sort of realised that we got to work on a global basis. Mm-hmm. But there's still this idea that there is, you know, international, and then, then there's presumably national. Mm-hmm. I understand mm-hmm. what US thinking is, but mm-hmm. there's a sort of, oh, you're international, so you, it's different there. But the truth mm-hmm. be told, I mean, just, you know, I went from West Palm Beach to Palm Beach. And I guess mm-hmm. if you go across the bridge, it's a completely different world. <laughs> yeah, I did and, that last and, and, uh, Yeah, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so when people talk about, well, that's in the US, and of course it's different in New Zealand, et cetera. Look, within New Zealand, it's... So what we're arguing is a much more finer focus mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. particular places mm-hmm. and, and starting there. And so... You know, the, you mentioned, you know, leadership thinking and then you apply it and then situation. We're saying that thinking needs to emerge from the place. It needs to emerge. Based from, on the place. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The, the, you know, part of it is, you know, you might say bottom up versus top down, but I don't think it's, it's more about actually drawing on what are the, uh, you know, the kind of resources and, and um, what's the thinking there, what's distinctive about, about this particular place that becomes a critical driver in the research, not a, Oh, we better take that into account at the end. So, say more about how that process works. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's basically if you think about uh, so, so just just in terms of what we're arguing within organisations. Mm-hmm. So, if you like, we've we've striven hard to become a separate uh, field. You know, mm-hmm. leadership versus entrepreneurship versus operations versus mm-hmm. mm-hmm. strategy, but. And we've sort of pulled out and said, you know, there is this distinctive thinking, behaviours, skill sets of leadership. There's ours, and you need to learn these in the way you need to learn these. So, you know, classic MBA, you know, how that, how that works. Okay, yeah. What we're saying is um, by pulling out the leadership, we've lost something really vital. Ah, oh, got yeah. it. Okay. So, 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 so in the book, we basically present chapters about if we were to bring leadership into entrepreneurship, into HR, into governance, you know, into, uh, you know, this just a strategy or whatever. It's actually saying you, you can't pull it out. As soon as you pull it out, you lose something quite vital. And so what what we've, we've suggested just within organisations, mm-hmm. that actually there are these processes. And, you know, I'm, my particular field that I'm most passionate about is about governance. Okay. In fact, you know, I learned a lot from governance being on their high elite board. <laughs> Two great minds that, you know, you can imagine mm-hmm. you've got 20 leadership. Mm-hmm. But... What strikes me is when you read the governance, it's like leadership's silent there. Leadership's done somewhere else, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's uh, and then management's done somewhere else. So you have people do do do, do governance, people who do leadership, people do management, you know. And what because and it's this idea that that that's that's the key focus and task. Mm-hmm. But in actual fact, you know. Uh, the way in which boards work together, mm-hmm. you know, the chair relationship, the CEO, but also the whole how are they creating leadership in governance? But you know, in how conscious are they of of that? And more particularly, the very direct, but more powerfully, the indirect influences. The way they create leadership has an enormous influence on what happens in the rest of the organisation. So what I'm trying to say is. So if people say, oh, we do governance, you know, the CBT mm-hmm. team does leadership mm-hmm. and the middle managers do management mm-hmm. and the rest just show up, you know. Got it. said, you've got to have C leadership in governance, leadership in supervision, leadership in, you know, there's these mm-hmm. general organisational processes. So that, that's an example of sort of contextualising mm-hmm. leadership thinking. 
So as you're talking about that, what comes to mind is I joined a board of a university as they were in receivership. No one. And, and so it was a fascinating and painful process. But mm-hmm. we, we were able to actually have them acquired. So that was the good news. But I joined the committee that was helping do strategic planning and change the bylaws, change how we functioned or how we were governed. And it was very clear that the old way of decision making Mm -hmm. and being led came from the board. They selected CEOs who led in a certain way. That needed to change, but it had to come from the board also. The CEO too, but the board is directing the CEO's behavior in many cases. Also, the executive team and the rest of the organization, right. I think they're, they're unaware of the influence, what they're paying attention to, how they're... It's picked up throughout the rest of the organization. They get it. So, you know, from that perspective, mm-hmm. you know, because, I mean, it, the role of the CEO appointment in re- retention and, right. you know, don't get me wrong, it's central. So it's actually saying the leadership work doesn't begin and end there. In receivership, the board was more heavily involved, so this isn't a normal operation. Yeah. But we had to get reporting focus on what was happening inside the organization, all of that, and where we did and where we didn't focus. And the tone we set on economics versus other indicators really was probably what got them to receivership, frankly. Leadership is happening in all of the, in the entire organization, including bottom up from their employees. Well, yeah. And I think that's probably our other focus is, and you know, I'm sure you've picked up this on other interviews, is focus on leadership, not leaders. And that's a key task. Uh, mm-hmm. But the New Zealand leadership Institute several years ago, we got, I think, about 30 of the top chairs and CEOs of you know organizations across 30 sectors. Okay. And we got them to reflect on uh, just, we just basically had three or several word cards. Mm-hmm. We put this in front of this, you know, very eminent uh, executives and said, talk to me about governance. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about leadership. What was fascinating was uh, we, we collected all of the data about how they were looking and then we realized, and they, they were becoming quite conscious of what we fed the data back there. They basically said, look, we are unconsciously, there are unintended way, consequences of the way we are governing that actually thwarts leadership mm-hmm. doesn't promote mm-hmm. because they had this sort of dominant sort of policing, you know, uh, due diligence, checks and balances mm-hmm. mentality. That, and it, it, was, it was quite fascinating to see that actually because they hadn't been conscious of the leadership impact and their leadership together, that had thwarted their ability to actually promote leadership. They were, they were, so what they were getting was completely opposite to what they were looking for, mm-hmm. but they weren't planning to do that. <laughs> but it was just the way that they, they felt, okay, when you do governance, you have to behave this way. Mm-hmm. There are all these rituals, there are all these, mm-hmm. you know, that we always did it this way and we always do it that way. That actually was thwarting the leadership they were looking for. So there's an example of the fact that they were thinking about governments not necessarily thinking about leadership instead of seeing where's our leadership in governments there. It's the intersection. Exactly. So, you know, it's like, now we'll do the leadership. Okay, now we'll do mm-hmm. governance now. No, actually, they work simultaneously, mm-hmm. but they're there to achieve different things. And just being cautious about it, say, hold it. You know, when was the last time we had some conflict? Mm-hmm. When was the last time we had some tension? When was the last time we, you know, had some edge here? You know? Mm-hmm. So I was saying, why are we spending so much time talking about this? We're wasting our time, you know, with mm-hmm. versus going through the motions of the mm-hmm. ritual, you know. So that's what we're trying to say is, whereas if you had to kind of leadership thinking, okay, uh, that happens here, 
Let's do some leadership work. If it's not contextualized in the other work that has to be done in the organization, it's all for naught. Yeah, again, I I think of my background as consulting and when we would go into companies, we would fix, fix, quotes systems. And so we would change it, swab out a computer system. But we did, we ignored, this was 20 years ago, so not current. Um, but I'm sure it's come back to still actually boring. But we didn't always attend to the culture or yeah. we would say employees need to behave this new way, but we don't change the performance management system. Yeah, yeah. The culture is an organization where people act separately and they compete among business units. Hmm. And then we put in a computer system that makes everything transparent. Well, they don't want hmm. that's not what the former culture promoted. Yeah. And so by being unconscious of what we're doing. So so back to your point of we, we function in these little, this is my objective, yeah. and I'm going straight at that objective, but without looking at the unconscious ripples through the entire organization, mm. I create damage. Yep. Well, you, you know, in a way, you're saying this is an IT system problem, mm-hmm. which will eventually enable us to do mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Things. Instead of saying this is a leadership opportunity and mm-hmm. risk, Mm-hmm. You know, the way in which we go about doing this is actually this is the leadership development. Mm-hmm. Even though it's an IT system, it feels, you know, it's yeah. not. So this is, I think it's not, it's thinking we do the leadership development when we focus on leadership instead of saying in the IT work, that's how we go about doing mm-hmm. this leadership mm-hmm. work. And it's not just about well, let's do some change management, you know, sprinkle right that in, just, and, you know, get the system all, bit of straight change management. It's actually right. saying how you go about determining just as a priority, how do you go about, you know, basically engaging, involving, refining, et cetera, mm-hmm. that's a leadership opportunity in the most mundane things. So people tend to think of leadership as a sort of remarkable visionary moment, you know, a turnaround, mm-hmm. or bankruptcy or whatever, but it's actually in the details, the mundane mm-hmm. things. You can do it in a leaderful way or, or you know, non-leaderful way. And so... That's what I'm saying, by getting the leadership thinking, mm-hmm. you know. And it's interesting because, you know, our colleagues in business schools, you get those are kind of, okay, they're the, the, the leadership guys, they're the hopeless romantics, and then the rest of us are doing, <laughs> doing the work. Yeah, doing the real work, you know, strategy, <laughs> finance, accounting, <laughs> real stuff, you know. But that's just so it's in it's in that. So, I mean, you know, we did, uh, I, I mean, we started to do that at University of Auckland. We started to say, look, let's get people who are in supply chain, man, mm-hmm. you know, they've got something in common, and then let's, Step up by leadership within that. People engage in leadership development. You know, two, mm-hmm. three days they, they talk about leadership, they get involved, etc., mm-hmm. and they return. Mm-hmm. But actually, what we were finding was if you say, look, there are supply chain issues. So, in fact, what we would do is approach organizations that are sufficiently different from each other that they could look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, well, there are people who have lead supply chain mm-hmm. challenges. and. Some of those are operational, technical, financial, whatever. There's a leadership element. Yeah. So how, when they are tackling supply chain, how do we surface the leadership mm-hmm. processes mm-hmm. there in consultation with the technical? With the... Mm-hmm. And so it was actually much more effective to be able to say, and also given you're dealing with supply chain people, with it, they, they've got a shared, reasonably shared context, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not, the leadership just emerges as part of the other considerations as opposed to saying, mm-hmm. this is the leadership moment, right? You know, uh, because there is this sort of sense that that's, you know, it's just a, 
the soft stuff, you know, the uh, hard stuff. Yeah, you know, let's do some soft stuff. We'll get back to the hard stuff. It's the soft and hard. I mean, that's that's the thing that I think we as leadership, you know, who are in leadership development, like, you know, mentioned consulting, mm-hmm. etc., is to sort of get over being precious about the leadership being so important. And this is the primary mm-hmm. thing, etc. Tasha said, get in there, start to look at organizational challenges or whatever. And just recognize these as one of a whole bunch of things that actually need to be addressed. And mm-hmm. it was not, if you like, put it on a pedestal, right. isolated. So, I mean, that, that's really what we're trying to do is to say, get in there. Mm-hmm. I found, you know, we're teaching in cases, are really complex technical cases that, you know, people would say, that, that's got, what's that got to do with leadership? Well, here's a leadership case that, mm-hmm. you know, I think mm-hmm. it's, that's, that's what we're trying to do is sort of make it ordinary, well, not ordinary, but just, Tied up with a whole bunch interconnected of interconnected with yeah yeah and, and just mm-hmm. part of the whole things you got to think about uh-huh. uh, in this as opposed to this is leadership business and then the rest is business other business you know? in fact in our writing we talk about or I talk about the idea that when we're implementing change as a leader I am not changing those people out there uh-huh. I am also I have to change myself yeah and. and it seems like that's one of the big failings is people who have titles of whatever yeah. above are less aware that they personally need to change because we haven't talked about it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Once I'm a CEO or whatever, I've made it. And this is a generalization. And, and certainly I realize lots of humans are different, but it seems like often at a certain level, the change is now supposed to happen with them, yeah. not us. So, you know, um, I understand you've been, you know, mm-hmm. been t- t- talking with Pete Quinn, but he's been very mm-hmm. helpful and, you know, he's being honoured here at the, the ILA conference and I mm-hmm. have the, the, the pleasure or the privilege of, mm-hmm. of you know, uh, thanking him on behalf of all his colleagues. But, you know, the thing he focuses is on is, you know, focus on leadership, not leaders. Mm-hmm. That's the critical thing. And we, you know, we mentioned the Revitalising Leadership book, but... Uh, most recent book I've been involved with, my uh, colleague Ken Perry, is called a very short, fairly interesting, quite cheap book about studying leadership. And mm-hmm. It's the third edition. It's a text that's used throughout throughout the world. But what we developed from Keith is six or six lenses of leadership, and the first two are, you know, person and position. So they focus on they're the other ones that way the way most people tend to think about leadership. Okay. It's about someone who's in an authority role, mm-hmm. and it's all about their personality. You know, mm-hmm. you're a person, mm-hmm. etc go down a little bit, I mean, you can think of it as an iceberg and be like, mm-hmm. you've got this uh, focus on performance and process. Okay. So in other words, you know, they're not unimportant who's mm-hmm. at the top and what's their personality. Mm-hmm. Not unimportant, but not by no means crucial. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the, the other lens is bringing to, you know, uh, how the leadership is being done. Mm-hmm. And it's the leadership being done, it's not, you know. Oh, that's the other. I use the word creative, but people have trouble with the issue. But I mean, I, it's trying to emphasize that this is a living, breathing thing that a whole bunch mm-hmm. of people create, not just the leader. Mm-hmm. And in um, the other is about the performance of how, you know, what's mm-hmm. been achieved by the leadership. Mm-hmm. How's it measured? How's it? Yeah, that's right. All that stuff. Actually, the culture tends to fall under that mm-hmm. because it's not performance is not so much just about, you know, do you hit the numbers, but are you doing it right? Are you doing it in a legitimate way? Mm-hmm. You know, it, in a way that is consistent with our values and that stuff. That's it. Or inconsistent sometimes. You yeah. know, so it's, so it's the perform- mm-hmm. performance is not just about, you know, the getting hidden up, mm-hmm. get doing mm-hmm. right. 
it's actually making sure you're doing it in a way that people see as acceptable as you know mm-hmm. how you how you do it. So they're, they're the four, but just getting down to the, the ones that really matter as far as I'm concerned, mm-hmm. the ones that don't tend to get much attention. I mean, you'll see we've got four pieces, two mm-hmm. pieces in it where we've added to Keith's. Mm-hmm. And these are very simple ones around purpose and ones around mm-hmm. place. So in other words, why are we creating leadership? Mm-hmm. I talked to you earlier around that leadership for what issue. Very closely related to where leadership is being created and that's sort of where and when. So, so Physical place and time in history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because okay. I'd say generally, uh, big generalization, of course, that um, leadership theorists have try to, you know, get out the peculiarities mm-hmm. of time and place. So mm-hmm. if you think about it, I mean, business schools have focused on trying to create, make things faster, mm-hmm. quicker, More like, where, where space is, you know, busy. so time and space, so the, they're the enemy. Mm-hmm. We'll do everything we can mm-hmm. to the point where we create an international language of management and mm-hmm. leadership and governance around the mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things the business schools have done on leadership professors have fifth contributed to. When in fact, if you really are serious about leadership, you need to be much more conscious about where people are, when they are. Because mm-hmm. often, you know, you mentioned the, the change management. Is, you know, there are all these steps, the processes, etc., mm-hmm. which are basically universal. I mean, the consulting firms change the logo of the place that on the slides, but basically it's the same show. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, as you well know, I mean, they don't know where it is or where it is, it matters. It's important mm-hmm. to people that, you know, that's, and that's where people say art resistance or whatever. But actually, instead of it being a constraint, it's a terrific resource for leadership. I was going to say that if we're working with human beings yes. who are supporting families who want to do meaningful work, mm. who want to contribute in the world, and helping them, mm. enabling them to do that. Yeah. I mean, that's a big part of what leadership should be doing. Yep. But I, what I'm going to say is we have generally suppressed this idea of place mm-hmm. because, you know, places that are, you know, mm-hmm. and, and really all places is the meaning ascribed to space. Right. And, you know, and, and the time, you know, what, mm-hmm. so what is it about? Being at Palm Beach, West Palm Beach, mm-hmm. you know Brisbane or whatever, and even within that, in neighbourhoods and you know mm-hmm. different parts of organisations on floors. It mm-hmm. just, it's funny how it's different even in departments. Yeah, yeah. If people and it's so but don't you know that's that's foolish. That's not uh, that doesn't we know it needs to be mm-hmm. eliminated because it's not efficient. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. But actually, it's it's fundamentally human to attach meaning to to where you are. It's what keeps us safe, right? I mean, that's how yeah. brains function. We attach meaning to the brand up stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and ironically, the marketers get that because they go, oh, we've got to sell. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to persuade these people that this is a distinctive place mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is meaningful to them. So, and valuable. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I mean, this is know, where we attach value, therefore it costs more. Yeah, so city, place across the mm-hmm. way, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, you walk in, it's like a Disney set, you know, then, but they're, they're trying to create something that people can, you know, feel, oh, you know, it can be more human here than it can be, you know, the Alden world where I went yeah, two days ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's completely placeless, and that's the whole point. So uh, it's just boxes, and you go and you walk between the boxes. And it's like, I don't walk between them, by the way. But, um, <laughs> so, so there is something, so I'm saying, in a way, people are realizing that there is something distinctive that is meaningful, and they tap into that perhaps in the marketing. You, mm-hmm. says you, you're unique, you're in a unique mm-hmm. context. But actually, uh, in leadership moments, that is where people are. And, and, you know, in terms of my thinking for this, I, I'm a geographer originally. 
sorry, there's a <laughs> uh, my geographer for a reason the rented house but I was trained in so it's all about space mm, about okay. but well working in New Zealand so we, we refer to as Aotearoa that's the New Zealand name I worked with Maori you know the indigenous the first mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. and they said you may really change my thinking in a very serious way about two things they basically said there's no difference between leadership and governance that one okay. of the same thing it's, so hence the leadership and governance side and the other set is, don't forget, it's about land. It's about land. Like the, say, the land. Say more about the land, not our land. The land. Because they don't own, right? Well, well but yeah, they do. It's same as, I mean, which okay. was you know, taken from them, etc. Okay, I just, but, I was thinking they don't have, do they now own property? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, they do. Yeah, okay. yeah I mean, yeah, big land claims, etc., which the country's working through. But okay. it's beyond the legal entity, and I'm not, so mm-hmm. it's important. It's actually who you are is where you're from. So the connection okay, to clarify. your connection to land. So they have, you know, mm-hmm. you know when you go to the Morani, the meeting room, mm-hmm. you're brought on to the Porphyry, they ask you to give a meeting, which you answer several questions. And two of them are really, very interesting. Mm-hmm. The first is, what is your mountain? What is your mountain? Yep. And what is your river? Oh, interesting. So, Morid, what's your mountain and what's your river? And so I was born in Munich, Germany. Yep. I didn't live there when I grew up, so I don't know what I would say. Now yeah. I would say the Olentangy River in Ohio. Great. That's, and we don't have mountains. Well, you got hills, you got hills. So no. <laughs> I live in a ravine, the Wahala Ravine. There you go. And that does define my life Please. because I walk every day in the ravine. Being outside in the natural world is foundational to how I live my life. Yeah. So, so you know, essentially, you, you've done it much better than most people, including me, you know, because I had to really think about that, you know, like, where, where, where is that? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting when I, you know, ask that question, you know, I give me talks about leadership in place. Mm-hmm. I get people to email me about it a month later and say, I figured it out, you know, this, this, this <laughs> is it, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it, so that was a powerful question for me because it's about, you know, there's something timeless, mm-hmm. something fundamental about land, about where you are on the earth. Mm-hmm. And it's not just, quote, an environmental issue. I mean, you know, that gives you the basis for, to start mm-hmm. to develop an environment mm-hmm. consciousness. But it gives you the basis to develop a whole bunch of consciousness as well. So, so, so you know, in a way, what I, what I see is a place with, if you look at leadership theory, it's a digital thinker that's just pretty well placeless. I mean, uh, although, you know, Keith, who you spoke to, has done a super job of reminding us about history. Okay. You know, his historic perspectives are very mm-hmm. rich to say that there's really nothing new mm-hmm. got to learn from that. And uh, and we've got to go beyond our, the way we generally interpret the past. If you mm-hmm. want to mm-hmm. understand leadership, mm-hmm. you know, you've got to be able to ask those awkward questions about conventional wisdom. So, in a way, what I, the way I describe leadership in place, it's like a, you know, it's a relationship place influences leadership. And so, mm-hmm. where you're from, so leadership from place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, working with place to be able to develop a common purpose, a common identity, and a common, common direction is really, you know, it's an important basis mm-hmm. uh, for that leading through place. So it's actually saying we need to tackle this issue, but to get people together, we need to actually say, what do they see as the common issues and challenges around the one thing they do share, and that's place. It's beyond the CEO, beyond the position, okay. beyond the personalities, beyond the process, beyond the performance. Fundamentally, we'll be here now and gone tomorrow, or gone whenever. 
put right. this place is is going on. Well, so, so the the sense of seven generations and and how do I defining thriving as not just economic, yeah. also economic, but the money helps us sustain the the ecosystem. Yep. Yeah, socially, culturally, you know, and uh, ecologically. Yeah. If I kill off species yeah. that happen to be part of the food chain yeah. and part of the health of the the physical earth, yeah. then without attending to that system, damaging the system causes yeah. damage to us. Yeah. We don't attend to that as often. No, I think we think, okay, that's environmental leadership and then there's business leadership and that there's mm -hmm. But actually, it, it's what I'm trying to do is to mainstream it to say, look, mm -hmm. if, if you're interested in creative leadership, how much are you thinking about your place? How much are you thinking about your purpose? In addition to how much you're thinking about personality and position and performance and process, you know? Beautiful. It's what I'm trying to say. It's not, it's not about, oh, um, you're an environmentalist or whatever. It's actually saying, mm -hmm. whether wherever you are, you've got a resource there and a constraint because mm -hmm. where you are, is a constraint for you. Now you've got to be conscious of that. But as you went over, the key task of a leadership is to define the situation. Can they define the situation in a, in a compelling way that others mm -hmm. respond to and say, yeah, I get it. I'm in there. Or the situation is place. Beautiful. On that note, we're going to take a break. So let me summarize, though. I'm attending to the situation, strongly emphasizing place is foundational to how we lead. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say it was be you can use it as the sort of basis from which to lead, mm -hmm. not I'll do all this leadership and all and then there's a place in which I'm gonna do it. Mm -hmm. Actually so you begin and start with where you are. You know, the the phrase I think the Oasis in had the um be here now. That's Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That phrase, you know, that's mm -hmm. that might be way of encapsulating it. Hmm. I like that. What are you thinking or what are your observations about leadership? Based on what you're seeing right now, yeah, and well, state of leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, uh, as you mentioned earlier, I was on the ILA board for about six years. Mm -hmm. you know, I got more involved in public policy and government, so I had to go to other conferences. And mm -hmm. so I'm really enjoying coming back. I mean, to be honest, mm -hmm. the nicest people I've met mm -hmm. any you know academic or whatever, they're all in leadership studies. I mean, mm -hmm. a leadership a development or whatever. So I feel I'm at home. Very constructive people, very engaging, very inclusive, strong spirit, strong sense of collective mm -hmm. purpose. Because that, you know, one of the things I'm concerned about is the, you know, I go to the sessions of mm -hmm. pretty well very similar discussions that we had three, five, seven, nine years ago. So there's, okay. and yet the world has changed quite radically. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that is, I quote, academic training. I mean, I, it was part of the Emerging Scholars session last night. And okay. I called the, the, the student, I talked to a PhD student, and, you know, was from India. And she's here studying and a PhD. She had a post where she had everything you expect to see in a PhD, all the components, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But I talked to her, I said, well, tell me about who you are or what you want to do. Tell me about the experience. And mm -hmm. she felt that she... You know, she was sort of, because of the training, she was having to miss a lot of really important philosophical issues because it was just instrumental 
you know, identify this bit, this bit, and mm-hmm. do the, the equations. And so, mm-hmm. in a way, she was trapped by the same issues. She was looking to revitalize leadership. She, mm-hmm. she wanted to talk about, you know, uh, issues around place, around purpose, mm-hmm. and the other. But she was, you know, the, the training suggests that you have yeah. to. And so, you know, using various models as well. And so, it's interesting to see. I love the spirit. I love the dedication. I love the care. But I worry about as extent to the you know intellectual, real intellectual curiosity. What are we doing to to harness that and to sort of really you know say what's going on out there? What are we doing? So mm-hmm. incredibly well intelligent, attention, incredibly smart people, incredibly you know daring people, and that gives me a lot of a lot of heart. Mm-hmm. But then I think, wow, you know what? To what extent are we really making a difference? I looked at the person who won the award for, I think it was doctoral dissertation. Yes, yes. Nicole. And it sounded like she was really evaluating the current state of leadership as well, especially gender dynamics, and saying, we need to change this. Yeah. I've met her for the first time this morning, Mm -hmm. too. She works with a very good colleague of mine, Eric Garthie, who I've written with. You know, I mean, in a way, it's... It, it just feel like the, the way we talk about this and the kind of obsession we have about it uh, and the sort of romanticism about it, the sense of this, you know, this heroic ideas about it actually uh, holding up our ability to to really make the change that we need. I think that's what she's, mm-hmm. she's sort of saying, I need to find the leader in me. And it, it's all about the leader in me versus, look, get over yourself. It's about creating leadership. Is about how do we get people, you know, to actually tackle these problems, you know, mm-hmm. creating a common sense of identity, purpose, and direction. That's what leadership is. So, in, so moving the discourse from saying, I need to be a really good leader, I need to be seen to be a good leader, that's really important. Mm-hmm. So identity-based yeah. to actually saying, look, what's really important is leadership. And that's how we're going to keep this. Developed and a number of others as well. I've Susie Wilson, who was the co author with me here, won the same prize four years ago. Mm. Yeah, with a historic, very strong historic critique of the underpinnings of leadership. Mm-hmm. Heavily individualized, you know, heavily instrumental, you know, heavily psychological in the. Uh, and, and, and so, yeah, so, so you know, it's, it's great to see the similar line of argument mm-hmm. mentioned in Gold Susie. She's and <laughs> I was using her work as well. So, you know, it, it is this feeling that, yeah, we, we, we're being trapped because of the way we think about leadership. And this is why this lens is approach is good mm-hmm. because, okay, you get the leader in there and, you know, all this mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. but you get followers, you get following. I mean, the way Ken and I define leadership in the, in the, um, very short book is about it's leading and following. It's okay, it's, good. And it's through communication. That's the only way it happens. It doesn't happen any other way. But the critical thing is, so the following and leading is, is something we, we got over. The previous edition was leader and follow. We got over that. Mm-hmm. We're now leading and following because of this conversation. Mm-hmm. You're leading, I'm following, that we lead, a following, et cetera. But the critical thing is what's it for? That's, and that's back to purpose. Yeah. Purpose, you know, identity and direction. Yeah. Okay. So that, that, that's all it is. It's got. It's not the magic, and it can either be done for for bad or for good. When I do leadership workshops, the first thing we start with, if they go through a full process, yeah. is understanding your own purpose. Yeah. If I don't know who I am and what I'm about, it is harder for me to lead as a yeah. truly effective leader. Yeah. 
if I'm not capturing that part of who I am, that is the leader. Yeah, well, it's Dan Pope. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's important, but probably even more important as, as your role as a leader is to try to gain a collective sense of mm-hmm. who are we, what mm-hmm. is the end tool, and where are we going. And in fact, so we do a series of reflection questions that are in the categories of who am I, what do I believe, of who am I and what do I do, yeah. who are we and what do we stand for, yeah, yeah. and then who are we and what do we do, yeah, yeah. and creating alignment within all of those. So knowing myself and knowing us, yeah. and if, if I'm not aligned with the organization, it's really, it creates ethical questions yeah. How do I lead, and what am I doing here? Yeah, no, I think it's a it's a powerful process. Just to you know, provoke, because that's my job. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's why that's why I'm in Australia, not here. But he's, you know, in fact, you know, my experience with the Aboriginal people mm-hmm. of Australia has reinforced what I learned from from Maori is that actually all that matters is who we are. Mm-hmm. You just start with who we are, and then maybe mm-hmm. from that, the I question. So we is the most important question, and we and, and land are completely inseparable. Completely. Mm-hmm. If you've seen the linguistic groups, there's some like over 600 linguistic groups in Australia amongst the, the you know, Aboriginal people. Okay. They're all bound by place. They're all mm-hmm. and to, by land. So the place actually... You know, you talked about the ravine or the, mm-hmm. it's dying, you know, so he's there. So the language, we talked about leadership being a communicative process, the language is central. It's grounded in, in the land, the language has evolved because of the particular geographic challenge that they had, you know. Mm, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, so in a way, I fully get, I need to figure out who I am, then I we need to figure out who we are. I'm questioning them. So why why is that important? It's it's (laughs) well in in a culture specifically the U.S. where there is a lot of individualism. As a leader, knowing who I am Mm -hmm. allows me to come to the organization with a a greater sense of grounding, rather than. I'm I am the collection of it, the things everyone told me I am without giving any um, mm-hmm. reflection to it. But to what extent when people are working and this is what I think mm-hmm. uh, Nicole's mm-hmm. argument is by the way uh, is when people say oh I've worked out who I am is that conditioned by the expectations that a place don't want to be who they need to be. I'm sure it is. Yeah. I, I would like to say our processes invites them to consider that. Yeah. But the reality is that level of reflection takes a great deal of time and effort. Mm. And not everyone is interested or able, mm. given their life conditions, to even take the time to reflect Yeah, in, the, in a deep way. Yeah. And, you know, let's be frank, uh, dominant thinking about leadership has been Anglo-Saxon. Mm-hmm. Very individually. Mm-hmm. If your leader's not delivering, get someone else. And very passive-aggressive mm-hmm. in terms of its mm-hmm. approach, yeah. Um, whereas, you know, Hispanic communities and, you know, they're mm-hmm. just becoming, you know. Very collective. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's interesting going to Miami versus coming to West Palm Beach. I mean, it's like, mm-hmm. we're in the same city. It's a completely different experience, you know. So, in New Zealand, you know, uh, we become increasing, we have the sort of, the, you know, the founded people of the, yeah. In this period of about 20 years, we've become almost 
diverse cultural oh, interesting. The okay. and, and what's interesting from my perspective, because I was at one point the first professor of leadership in Italy, I was the only one for a little while, and there's thankfully quite a few others mm-hmm. now, but was to see that as a tremendous resource for different approaches and philosophies of leadership. Mm-hmm. Definitely you could actually draw on to say, in order to tackle these problems, there are other ways that we can create leadership that we need to learn from, mm-hmm. not just the sort of Anglo-Saxon-based powerful leader who goes in and makes the change, you know, all this kind of stuff. So, and I think that, so, so it's actually thinking about the extent to which that sort of powerful resource to draw on. Mm-hmm. To say, you know, actually we've got to, you know, these are tough, wicked problems. Just the way we we've gone about talking them, and it, it's not it's not working. No, in fact, we we created a competency model that builds on some um, research by Suzanne Cogreter from Harvard, looking at developmental maturity. And innately collaborative is one of the characteristics, and that means collaborating with people who are different than me, yeah. not finding my clones around the world and collaborating with them. Yeah. But we don't solve wicked problems by insulating. We solve them by looking outside, evaluating, and evaluating both the problem, the conditions that created them, and ourselves. How am I contributing to the perpetuation of the problem just by my thinking and behavior? Yeah. So I think, again, I, I need to know who I am and how I'm contributing yeah. so that I can separate myself out and stop being part of it. Yeah, and let me tell you, one of the things you would notice from nine years ago or ten mm-hmm. or twenty years ago, because the first conference was twenty years ago, twentieth yeah. anniversary, is the very true diversity. I mean, people mm-hmm. from all over the world. I mean, it's remarkable, and from you know gender, mm-hmm. you know, is a very strong feminine mm-hmm. that appealed to this mm-hmm. audience, which is terrific. And also from you know the various uh, ethnic. Mm-hmm. So it looks and feels and sort of. Uh, mm-hmm. My only worry is that uh, when is that you know, yeah, no doubt about it. It's terrific to see this diversity, mm-hmm. but to what extent have we really harnessed that diversity of thinking? You know, so as, to what extent has mm-hmm. the agenda really changed as a result? Not so much the agenda. Well, agenda is important, but how we tackle the problems that we've got, and that's what I'd say. I'm, mean, you know, when you talked earlier about. Mm-hmm. My concern is I don't feel this has really changed in a way it could mm-hmm. and should. Mm-hmm. And that's something, you know, as a board, we were always working on. Do we are an international leadership association? What does that mean in terms of how we need to be as an association? How do we need to run the conferences? And how do we... So, mm-hmm. you know, it's something I'm just a little still not quite, you know, settled with. So are you going to rejoin the board to impact that? <laughs> well, I'd be invited, but uh, yeah, no, they've got some exceptionally fine fine people there, and uh, you know, I'll do what I can for from my advantage point in Australia now, and uh, do what I can. I mean, I held the first regional conference in Oceania in New Zealand, but Islanders, and I think that's been really important for the ILA is being able to hold these conferences in South Africa and Lima and you know, in Europe too. So I think. That's another way of saying we've got something, you know, using geography there as the basis for a gathering of people. What do you got in common? And I'm a great, passionate believer in Oceania. I love that part of the world. I think it's, you know, it's some, it's got there's some very rich leadership and governance philosophies there that we mm-hmm. share with the rest of the, of the world. So, you know, 
maybe I need to come to your next conference. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. So in one minute, what's next for you? Yeah, well, my, my focus, I'm directing the, the Policy Innovation Hub, and, you know, we work on policy challenges you know, that the state governments mm -hmm. and focused on, on NGOs, the Commonwealth government, etc. And what I'm hoping to be able to do is to build, you know, a stronger sort of set, leadership mindset to policy mm -hmm. because it's, you know, it's quite analytical. And, mm -hmm. But we want it to be more innovative, which actually says how you go about defining policy problems and how you go about implementing them is, should be as important as, to quote, the policy itself. So our key focus is around collaborative governments, how mm -hmm. you know, government working with community, working with indigenous groups, working with business. But how do you get the leadership that enables that governance? So in other okay. words, and how do you get the governance that, it, that sustains the leadership? It, 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 you know. I, yeah, I so, can see that. So to me, what's central there is place. So in other words, you define the place and you basically make that central to tackling the problems. The problems get defined by the place. But what's mm -hmm. what's mm -hmm. up in mind? What's up in most for this place? The problem definition should come from the place. But that's going to require some pretty canny leadership that's beyond NGO, beyond business, beyond government, beyond indigenous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the cross-sectoral challenge around places, that's the big challenge. And um, yeah, I, so that's what's next. But uh, I want to thank you for uh, giving me the chance to talk with you. I've learned a lot uh, from me and I really appreciate being here. Thank you so much. This episode is brought to you by the Innovative Leadership Institute, working with companies that recognize the need to upskill their leaders and transform their organizations. What worked yesterday won't work today, and what works today won't work tomorrow. We help executive teams prepare for accelerated uncertainty by creating the foresight needed to stay competitive, elevating leaders to succeed, and transforming organizations to become future-ready. If you'd like to discuss how we can help prepare your organization for tomorrow, please visit InnovativeLeadership.com and click Contact Us.